morning, everyone. It's great to see you, Zoomers. It's, it's probably great to see you, but I can't see you, so I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, we're going to continue this series that we're in on Christmas, and today we're talking a little bit about the idea of home. And Christmas kind of kicks up that feeling, that longing, at least in me. If you guys didn't know, I get a little nostalgic. I get a little emotional about everything. Uh, I caught on how known that was this morning. I thought I played my cards a little closer to my chest, but apparently you guys are aware that I have emotion and nostalgia. But it's never worse than in the Christmas season. It's never more than like now, and I don't think it's just in me. Do any of you have like nostalgic feelings over Christmas? Take just a second and think about what it is that kicks up nostalgic. And go ahead and say it out loud if, if you know. What are you nostalgic for or what causes it to happen? Miss your dad. Yeah. Traditions. Family. Eating. Eating. Amen. <laughs> Caroling in the car. I love that. One of the things I'm most nostalgic for, I, we didn't see my dad in the morning very much, but on Christmas morning he was super slow. And he would like make coffee really slow and move really slow. And we'd be so frustrated because we just wanted to, every year we, we read the Christmas story, and then we got to open stuff, and my brother usually read, and he was a slow reader, and I was like, come on, like, we've got stuff to do. Like, what's the shortest Christ, Christmas story? What, how, how do we get through this? And my dad would be so slow, and like, I find myself wanting to be slow on Christmas morning, just because just of that, you know? That, does anyone have a movie that that feels like it's it's a part of the Christmas season for you. Charlie Brown, love it. Miracle Thirty Fourth Street. White Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life. Shrek. I remember that. I remember that. This new generation. I missed it. Okay, that is one of the best. I would argue very underrated. Muppets Christmas Carol. Disney's Christmas Carol. The Christmas Story, Jingle All the Way. Uh, okay. A lot of Christmas Carol. I love, I love that story. Um, there, there's a claymation one with uh, Heat Miser and his brother. Yes, Year Without a Santa Claus. I love that one. I have like little pop dolls in my office of that. It just reminds me of being with my brother as a little kid. Well, okay, what is, uh, on three, we're going to all yell the food that we think of with Christmas, okay? And we're not going to know what anybody said. One, two, three. Lefsa. Good work. Good work. We all have these things that we remember. We all could probably think of a great present we got. And we could all probably think of a really weird present that we got. And we're nostalgic for both of them. 
and we long for both of them. And when we put up our lots of trees this year, and then we put up our lots of decorations, and we watched our first movies, Nikki and I were, were talking about that, because we'll watch a lot of Christmas movies. I think I told you before, we play Christmas movie bingo, and, and uh, it's a blast, and you win, and you win absolutely nothing, but it's really fun. Um, but Nikki and I were talking, I was like, I, I have this longing to, like, go in my car and drive to all of these memories, but they're not at a place or at a specific time. It's, it's like all mushed together. But if I could drive there, I would drive there. You know what I mean? And that thing, I think, that we long for, that Christmas kind of kicks up in a lot of us, is home. And it might not be our experience of home. Some of us didn't have that experience of home. But when we talk around it, it builds something in our hearts and in our minds. And that is the idea or the, the place of home that, that we long for, whether we've experienced it or not. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. I want you to just kind of hold on to that emotion. And if it's too difficult, then you can separate a little bit. But like, hold on to that longing a little bit. And we're going to talk through a passage that you have probably looked at a billion times. Um, and there's nothing really profound we're going to talk about today, but there's something in what Jesus says that might, might help us pivot a little bit and, and might give us some hope on this. So we're going to start in, in Mark 12. Uh, if you have a Bible or a device, I want to encourage you to look at it with me. We're going to just be in this chapter, a few verses. We're going to look at 28 through 31 first. And Mark records this. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is first of all? And Jesus answered, first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than than these. I know you've, you've heard this, but we're, we're going to look at it again here. So we have a scribe come in. And often scribes and religious leaders in the Gospels are presented in a little bit of a negative light. Often they've got some power and they're trying to keep their power. And when that's what the text shows, we're going to look at it that way. But that's not what this is. This is a scribe who comes curious. This is a scribe who had been paying attention to how Jesus was answering the, the other questions, and he saw that Jesus had answered these questions well. That, that's, that's how he answered this. He had paid attention because he was actually curious about what God was doing in Jesus and about what Jesus was saying. And so then he waited his turn, and he asked a question. And the question that he asked was something that rabbis were often asked. You could go look in Jewish history, and the great rabbis were often asked, how do you summarize, how do you summarize the law? At one point, one of the great rabbis was asked, can you summarize the law while I stand on one foot? And the rabbi said, no, you're ridiculous. Stand on two feet. 
It's too hard to do in that quick. And then another kind of rival rabbi was like, of course I can. The first five commandments were about loving God, and the second five were about loving other people. And so that is the summary in those two ways. This is something that when there was a great religious teacher, people would say, okay, this is a big book, and there's a lot of other laws that we look at. Can you summarize that? This is a very common question. And this scribe, Remember, a scribe is somebody who is recording. They don't have photocopiers. They don't have print shops. So they're recording the law, saying, hey, I'm, I'm investing my entire life in recording the law here. How would you summarize it? What would you say is most important? And Jesus gave an answer that I would say, and we'll get into this in a minute, but I would say he gives an answer that is, I am summarizing the law as directional love. In directional love. Now let's look at the next couple verses. In 32 we see, Then the scribe said, You're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other, and to love him with a whole heart and with all understanding and with all strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So this is a scribe in a system that spends a lot of time with burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's really open to God working. And in this conversation with Jesus, it's like, yeah, more than anything that we can do, more than lighting the advent candle or passing the offering or any of these kind of singing the song more than any of these things that we can do these religious activities the most important thing that we do is love you're you're right teacher and the scribe has a little bit of authority here too so it's an interesting little conversation and i wonder how long the scribe was aware of this i wonder if the scribe came in thinking for the last 10 years no i think this is all about love or if this was a real clarifying moment. No, we do all of these things and all of them are important, but the most important. You're right, teacher. The most important is this directional love. The scribe hears this wisdom of Jesus and I believe is very curious about Jesus. Curious about the good news that Jesus is giving. And then Jesus responds this way. When Jesus saw that the scribe had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's where I want to sit for a few minutes this morning. You're not far from the kingdom of God. The scribe was realizing either for the hundredth day or the first day. No, this is all about love. And as he said that, Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the thing that you long for. I believe in this point, Jesus is speaking to this longing. This longing we kicked up with talks of movies and cookies. This longing for home, this longing that we feel at different times of the year. I feel it around anniversaries of people that I've lost 
or moments that I've had or great memories. I feel it around Christmas and Thanksgiving. I feel it in the summer, every summer when our family would typically get together at this one cabin that I've told you about before. I feel it at all those times just on the calendar. I feel it when I see people that I love, that I have great memories with. I feel this building desire that I have more and more language for that I call home. And I believe Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. And I think it's interesting when Jesus says that we're, we're not far from it. In the giving of love, you're not far from the kingdom of God. How does that feel to you? Does that feel true? Does that feel like too simple? Does that feel too difficult? Does that feel like I don't want to open up to more? Even when we started talking nostalgically, I could see some more emotion on more and more of us. That's, that's normal. I'm the only one who's seen it. No one else turned around. But Jesus says here that when we love, and it's not just love, I'm calling it this directional love. And here's, here's what I mean. He says that we're to love God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. In what we call the Old Testament, we see heart, soul, and strength. And Jesus adds in the mind, which knowing more about our, our bodies and how we're put together, this makes sense. What Jesus is saying, if he said it nowadays, he's saying, without holding back any of yourself, with the entirety of who you are, with all that you feel, with all that you think, with all that you do, with how your body responds, with all the trauma experienced life, everything that you have, love God out of that. Does that mean every emotion is just lollipops and candy canes? No. But that means that everything is bent towards God. If God is love, and if God is wholeness, and if God is these things, then we come with my broken emotions, and with my thoughts that are pure, and my thoughts that are impure, and all of that, and I bend it all towards God, with the entirety of me, with the me that wants to be whole and healthy, and with the me that wakes up at night and grabs a bite of cheesecake. All of me gets to be bent towards the love of God. And that is experiencing the love of God, but that is me practicing that, God, I love you. I love you. But we don't stop there. We get to love our neighbor. And this one's tricky, right? Since before the time of Jesus, this one's been tricky. We, we try to say, hey, who's my neighbor? And how much do I have to love them? And how much do I get to love them? And what to, how reciprocal does it have to be in order to love? And, and th this, this one gets messy. Hundreds of books have been written on it, and we haven't discovered the answer, except that as we love our neighbor more and more, we are not far from the kingdom of God. We are not far from home. But that's not the only two directional loves that are written here. Often we forget this third one, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus is not saying, love your neighbor at the expense of yourself. That's not what's said here. The reality is, if we sincerely love Jesus, and we are proclaiming that we love Jesus, and we do not love ourselves, that is not good news to your neighbor, or your daughter, or your son, or your friend, or your family, and it's definitely not good news to you. Sometimes it's hard to love ourselves, just like look in the mirror and be like, hey, Matt, that band-aid looks good today. Sometimes that's a little bit difficult. But there is a way that we can sit with our self-contempt and be like, no, I'm not going to feed that anymore because I'm worth loving. And maybe I don't feel worth loving on my own, but I'm not on my own. I am in Christ. And so in Christ, I believe that I'm worth loving. And I go first. Because reality is, sometimes we don't think we're worth loving, so we just pour ourselves out on other people. And then we, we get like the scraps of them loving us, but we don't really take it in because we don't think we're deserving of it anyway. And so we just end up starved for love. And we feel more and more distant from home. But I believe part of what Jesus is saying here is as we love, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So there were like two days in my life where I went to a gym. They were young days. <laughs> but I, I, I always think it's funny that any gym you go to, you always find typically a guy whose upper body is like super carved and then calves look like Q-tips. He skipped leg day like I have, but he's done the upper body part, you know? His upper body day, his arms days and chest days are like 12 times a week. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of us are running around like that. If there's something that I know about our community is that we will pour ourselves out in love. And I think if we had the time to sit a, around coffee with each other, we would find out that we do it distinctly different from one another. And we don't necessarily do it in a, in a whole way that Jesus is describing here. See, sometimes I've seen people, less so in this community, but very much in Christianity, in the evangelical circles, sometimes we find people who with all of their being, are trying to love God, but they're doing it at the expense of their neighbor. I am going to love God with my heart, soul, mind, strength, belief lists. I'm going to study. I'm going to do all of this. I am going to pour myself out for the love of God. And that means I have nothing for my neighbor. It is also very possible, and a little more familiar for us, that we love our neighbor. Like I've talked to you before, we will put butter on lefsa for our neighbor, but we will do it at the expense of ourselves. I'm going to so love you and run on nothing and have nothing 
to give. You, you guys remember the old book, The Giving Tree? I hate that book. You can love it, and we could have coffee again. We're going to have a lot of coffee, I guess. But we could have coffee again and discuss that book. Here's why I hate that book. I hated that book when we had five kids at home, and everybody wanted to take everything. And I was willing to give everything. And there was nothing left. The point of the book is like one kid comes and takes everything from the tree, realizes it had a great tree, but it already took everything. So as an old man, it just leans on the stump. That's not good news. <laughs> That's really sad. And I think we've kind of taken that as our goal in Christianity, like, oh, let me pour myself out like that. No, we do pour ourselves out. And we do do it at the expense of ourselves, and we do embrace suffering and all of these things that are very counterintelligent and all of that. We do that, but we do not just go get steamrolled. That's not the good news. That's not what Jesus is talking about. We don't just go cut ourselves up. We are to love our neighbor, but not at the expense of ourselves. I believe we serve a generous God, a God who has enough. I've talked to quite a few pastors about the idea that, that we struggle, especially in, in church planning. I say this in here because we've got people in nonprofit worlds, and we've got people that you guys have been pouring your life out for Jesus for a long time. We often think that what God wants to do is, is like God gives us this great meal in our, our quiet time or in our devotion time, and then because we love the people we serve, we want to go give them that meal but then we've ate nothing. I think the actual good news is that we go to God, God gives us a great meal, we eat the great meal, and then we talk about how God has enough for us all to have a great meal. That there's enough of God for all of us to experience. And yes, we pour ourselves out, but not at a way where we love other people and we start to resent ourselves. Not at a place where we love other people, but we think that we have nothing to offer. Where we think that we are like a, a field animal that just does work. But you're not. You're an image bearer. So we have work to do here. And at times, we can even love ourselves at the expense of God. We can be doing the work we can be so interested in thinking right and working on our stuff and putting guardrails to finally start to have boundaries and this kind of stuff that we forget that we're doing this because we love God with all that we are. We're not doing it to puff ourselves up on our own. We're, we're doing it to live into the idea of being image bearers, of being worth the, the world because that's what Jesus said. But we do it in, in a way where we are wholeheartedly loving God. That might feel like a lot of work to love in all these directional loves, but it's not intended to be. It's that our inner posture is to be love. Whatever you have before you this afternoon, you're invited to walk into that space in love. And then when you realize you're tired, you get to be gracious to yourself and experience yourself with, in love. When you have a need kick up, or your neighbor does, or a longing, we know that we get to lean into the love of God. 
See, we might look like that, that lifter who, who just keeps skipping leg day. And if that's where you are, then I don't think it's a surprise if you do not feel like you're very near the kingdom of God. If you've been going 200 miles an hour at the love of your neighbor at the expense of yourself or of God, it would not surprise me if you feel lost. If you've loved God but you don't look within and you're ignoring your neighbors, I'm not surprised if you feel lost. If, if you're doing all the work to process your stuff but you you are not doing it in community with your neighbors and with the love of God, it wouldn't be surprising if you feel a little disoriented and lost. But if you're waiting and you're longing for home, if you want to, like I do, hop in your car and drive to this place you can't even explain because you know that that longing just keeps getting confirmed and confirmed and confirmed. What I'm seeing Jesus say is that we get to pour ourselves out in love towards God, towards our neighbor, towards ourselves. And as we do that, that we might find ourself not far from the kingdom of God. We might find ourselves not far from home. I don't know if that phrase to you makes you think of, of time or makes you think of distance, the phrase of being not far from home. For me, it, it makes me think of like mile markers in a car makes me think of, I know how my body kicks up excitement as I pull into Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. And I get onto 252, and I'm not far from my mom's house or my brother's house, my sister's house. I know how it feels when I'm returning home and, and you're on, uh, you know, you're going through the lovely Indiana, and all of a sudden you see Louisville, and you're like, oh, there are people again. And you get to the bridge and you make the decision, am I going to pay the, the toll or am I going to go the slow way? And I'm always like, I just want to get home. I'm paying the toll. I don't even care. I regret it tomorrow, but I want to be home. And as soon as I get like where Slugger Field's on my right, I feel a little more like, ah, oh, okay. Here we are. Like for me this morning, walking in here and I get the beautiful moment that y'all don't get where it's dark and I get to flip on the lights. I just feel this space like start to come alive. Hear the furnace kicking and screaming like someone whose bones hurt. And be like, we're going to gather. We're going to be here soon. And the people that I love, we're going to be together and we're going to seek God together. And I don't have to do it at the expense of loving me. And when those three, when that directional love is all happening, when I believe that there's enough for all of it to happen next to each other, I know in my spirit that I'm not far from the kingdom of God. 
that I'm not far from home. And if that's your posture today, then I want to invite you to, and I'm not saying perfectly that's our posture, but if that's our hope, if we want to want to live in that way, then I invite you to raise your eyes and look to the horizon with expectation to see glimpses that you're not far, to see the kingdom of God breaking in. This afternoon, this week, with all that it brings, the joy that Rob led us in today, the peace that Pastor Kat walked us through last week, hope, life, belly laughs, presence, mending, wholeness. This home that we long for. It's worth staying in. Can we pray together? God, I thank you that you are the author of our stories. And we have so many choices in today and what posture we take and whether we believe you're generous or you're stingy, whether we believe you're near or far, whether we believe we're stuck or you can heal, and whether we believe that we actually, even in our own self, have some authority to, to choose how we walk through today. pray that for my friends, for myself, that you would give us great courage to believe that there is enough for us to lean into loving you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. To discover what that looks like and what that means. That we would have the courage to love our neighbor in a way that reflects you, in a way that honors them we have the courage to love ourselves to do the slow work of seeing ourselves the way you see us tearing down and building back up as we embrace these as we live more and more of our life in, in these directional loves God would you give our eyes glimpses that we're not far from the kingdom of God. Thanks. In your name, amen. Well, everybody, thanks for being here this morning. Again, you know the schedule will be here.